Good morning, America. Good morning, Eretz Yisroel, Lahavil. Welcome to all those joining us for the Kudalachas, Yoradea, Chelik Sheni, Hilchas Mila, Halacha Gimel, Paragraph Beis. We dedicate the learning today, Lilo Nishmas, Rezel Basrabaroin, and Lilo Nishmas, Yisha Yantafradel Basrabishwarye, Harini Kapuras Mishrava, and for a complete Rufu Shalema for all those that need it. Including Aviva Chana Baskalia, Yehudis Nechoma Basmiriam, Chaim Yitzchak ben Chanarifka, Akiva Michoel ben Sorahuva, Basia Kela Basamalia Malka, Sni Shalom ben Rita Beverly, Ruven Mordechai ben Chana, Dvoy Ragila Simcha Baschava, Boruch Mordechai ben Tali, Tikiyosef Avrom Aliyah Zanisim ben Pesia, Sorolea Bas Havaliba, Peretz Aliel Ben Sorolea, Avigail Brochel Bas Shiradvoira, Hana Bas Soro, David Lei Ben Shena, Daniel Ben Rivka, Shlomarisim Ben Mazel, Avram David Ben Hana, Sorigitl Bas Hanariva, Miriam Esther Bas Sorigitl, Chaim Arya Ben Brochel, Chaim Ben Rachel, Gabriel Shlomo Ben Idis, Idis Bas Miriam Brindle, Toiva Bas Chavaperel, Michal Soro Bas Hadasa, Gitaganendel Bas Sipoira, Libalea Bas Sipoira, Aviva Ilona Bas Yuspendel, Sorucho Bas Yuspendel, Tuliatsi Ben Chayaliza, Yehudis Ruchoma Bas Chavarus, Gila Bas Brocha, David Ben Behia, Shendel Bas Lea, Yisrael ben Hanalea, Yalit Shashana bas Hanalea, Oyehana Golda bas Hanafega, Yaakov Yeshua ben Frank Lorecho, Shemel Eliezer ben Rochel, Chayo Rivka bas Malalea, Besar Shar Choyli Yisrael. We started this halacha, and we gave the introduction that it's based on chapter 78 in the second half of Likud Iman, which is the chapter that speaks about when the tzaddik has to, when even a tzaddik has to take a break from the Torah, and the tzaddik goes into a mode called prostak, very simple person. We'll continue from paragraph days where we left off. Rabbeinazal had quoted Rabbeinazal about the fact that when a tzaddik or when anybody has to take a break from Torah, how do they exist? And the answer is, they connect to the chesed chinam that sustained the world before the Torah was given. We know that the world existed for 26 generations before the Torah was given. How did it exist? The answer is that there is this chesed chinam, this oitzar matnas chinam, this treasury of free gifts that that's an alternate source of chiyas that can sustain the world. That's why we have a paragraph in Tehillim where we have 26 kilioilam chazdois corresponding to these 26 generations that the world was alive before the Torah was given. Now let's continue from paragraph Bayes. He may ikri the dina kashia. Rav says there seems to be a question from the beginning. 
לכאורה, למה לא שמה שמזבורך תחילה ארץ ישראל ביד כנען, ואחר כך ניתנה לישראל? We also touched on this before, in the, in the previous paragraph, that, that the first Pasuk in the Torah, which begins telling us that Hashem, in the beginning, Hashem created heaven and earth, why does the Torah begin with that? Why doesn't it just go straight into the mitzvahs? And we said, because the non-Jews, Hashem knew that the non-Jews could possibly come along and say that we, the Jewish people, are thieves. We stole Eretz Yisrael from them. They were in Eretz Yisrael before us, those, the seven nations. So therefore, Hashem anticipated this, and Hashem preempted this by writing on page one, line one, I created heaven and earth, which means I own everything. Everything belongs to me. It doesn't belong to the Goyim. It doesn't belong to the Jews. It belongs to me. I allowed the non-Jews to be there for a certain period of time, and I decided when I wanted them out, and I wanted them replaced by the Jewish people. But now Rav Nosenthal begins paragraph days. There seems to be a question from the beginning. Why? Why did Rabbeinus, why did Hashem do this? Why did Hashem first give Eretz Yisrael to those seven nations before us? Why didn't Hashem give us, the Jewish people, Eretz Yisrael, to begin with, from the start? This question is already asked in, in Sfarim. However, Avnosanzal says the answer becomes very clear to us based on the chapter in Likud Yimran that we're connecting to here. Chapter 78 in the second half of the Because this fact that the land of Eretz Yisrael was first in the nations, in the hands of the seven nations of Canaan, and only afterwards given to us, that corresponds exactly to the fact that for 26 generations, the world existed without the Torah being given officially, and only afterwards the Torah was given. This also is an incredible question, something difficult for us to understand. Why did Hashem not give the Torah immediately upon the beginning of creation of the world? Because we know the truth is that the world cannot really exist without Torah. And what really sustains the world and keeps the world alive spiritually, is only the Torah. As the Gemara says in Shabbos, regarding the fact that on the sixth day of creation, it says, on the other five days, 
first day, five days of creation, it says, Yoim Echod, Yoim Sheni, Yoim Shlishi, Yoim Revi. But on the sixth day, it says, Yoim Hashishi, on the sixth day. And the Gemara says, this does not just refer to the sixth day of creation. This is referring to the sixth day of the month of Sivan of the year 2448, when the Torah was officially given. So the Gemara says there, Shekulam Tluyim Voimdim Adyoim Shishi Besivan. Everything in the, in the creation was hanging, was not, it was incomplete until that sixth day of Sivan, Shaboinit Torah, during which the Torah was given. And as it says clearly in a Pasuk in Yermi Anavi, Imloi Brisi, if not for my covenant being studied and being kept day and night, which is the Torah, the laws of heaven and earth would not would cease to exist. Vim Cain, and if that's the case, since there really is can be no existence and life in the world without the Holy Torah. How did the world exist even one day without the Torah being officially given? And why didn't Hashem give the Torah immediately upon the beginning of creation? However, Rav Zal explains the truth is that this was all really for our benefit, for the benefit of the Jewish nation. Because, as the Navi says, Hashem is always thinking of ways to ensure that no one will be left out. Because had the Torah had been given to the world immediately in the beginning upon creation, and had there not been a concept of the world being able to exist without the Torah, then take if Keshodom Hoya Oiver Hasvisham Adivre Torah, Loyhoya Yochel Riskaya Mafilu Shoyaches. Then the moment a Jew would violate the Torah, that person would not be able to exist even for a moment. And the world would not be able to exist. And the world would have to be destroyed immediately the moment a person violated the Torah. Because had, the, had Hashem given the Torah from the beginning, Hashem would have showed that the world cannot exist without the Torah. So the moment a person would unplug from the Torah, dead, finished. And that's something that's impossible. 
that we won't be able to find one individual who violates the Torah, who goes against the Torah. Because there's a Pasuk in Kohelis, which says that there is no Tzaddik in the world that only does good. Because we know that there must be free choice. There must be challenges. And if that's the case, because if there's no free choice, then there's no concept of reward and punishment. And then the mitzvahs of the Torah don't really function. So therefore, since Hashem did create this concept of Bechira, free choice, in order that there should be a concept of reward and punishment, then there definitely will be individuals who will violate the Torah, who will make the wrong choices. And if that's the case, had Hashem given the Torah immediately in the beginning, the moment he created the world, and then Hashem would have shown that there is no existence of the world without Torah, then then the moment a person, an individual, would go against the Torah, the world would be destroyed. The world would cease to exist. And for this reason, it was a major benefit to us, the fact that Hashem showed that the world can exist for 26 generations without the Torah. How? Hashem was sustaining the world through channel B, the second channel, which is this channel of chesed chinam, freebie kindness. And as we learned in the previous year, that, that refers to the hidden Torah. We mentioned that when Hashem first created the world, He created the world with 10 statements of creation. And in those 10 statements of creation are hidden the 10 commandments. The Torah is, exists in that, those 10 statements in a hidden form. That's called the Torah Hana'elemis. And by, by doing it this way, Hashem showed us that although the main creation of the world was for the sake of the Torah, for Torah observance. As we know, in the first passage, it says, because of racious, Hashem created heaven and earth. What is racious? Racious is a nickname of the Torah. 
there's a pasuk gracious chachma yiras Hashem that yiras Hashem Torah is is called gracious, and there's a pasuk Hashem konani gracious darkoi Hashem created me as the beginning of of His path, referring to the Torah, as it says. That Hashem created the world for the sake of the Torah and for the sake of the Jewish people who are both called Rashis. However, Afal Pikain, despite that, Hashem showed that He has the ability to sustain the world for 26 generations without the Torah. The Alkane, and therefore, Gam Achshav, now, today also, Shenitna Torah, after the Torah was already given to the world, Afal Pikain, despite that, Be'es Shebetele Mina Torah, during those times when people are not connected to the Torah, when a person is sleeping, when a person is in the bathroom, when they're not permitted to be speaking words of Torah there, or even thinking words of Torah there, or even when a Jew actually goes against the words of the Torah, violates one of the commandments, Hashem does not pull the plug on the world. The world does not cease to exist. Rak, but rather, Hashem continues to sustain the world using his kindness. Using that freebie kindness, that channel B that sustained the world before the Torah was received by the Jewish nation officially on Har Sinai. Any questions? says, and this will explain the concept that the Gemara says that tshuva preceded the creation of the world, the concept of repentance. Because tshuva is coming from a spiritual place that's above the place where the Torah is. Tshuva is connected to that freebie kindness that preceded the Torah. Which is associated with that hidden Torah, which is what supported and sustained the world before the Torah was officially given. What's the connection? What's the connection between tshuva and this? Because if we want to get technical, based on, on Torah, based on Hebrew law, Tshuva should not really help. As the Gemara says in the Yerushalmi in Makois, chapter 2, Mishnah Vav, 
that based on technical law, a Jew that commits a sin should die. However, Hashem saw that if he does that, the world will not exist because Adam and Chava committed a sin immediately upon their being created. So if a sin is death, that would have been the end of Adam and Chava, that would have been the end of, of mankind, the end of the world. Therefore, Hashem created tshuva before the world was created, the goza bechazdai ha-godoyl, shtemoyel tshuva afilu im ovar al-kol And Hashem decreed with His infinite kindness that tshuva can help even if a person violated the entire Torah, chas v'shalom. And even if a person did whatever they did, whatever terrible things they did, Shuva always helps. Repentance always helps. And Rabbi Nusra says the truth is that Shuva really is connected to that hidden Torah that was that existed in the world before the Torah was officially given. Because tshuva is associated especially with the day of Yom Kippur. And we know that tshuva corresponds to the sphere of bina, which is called the hidden world. Which is related to the hidden Torah. Now let's pause here for a moment to explain a little bit the very, very light Kabbalistic concepts. We have Hashem's name, Yud, Hey, and then Vav Hey, Hashem's most basic name, which everything in existence, everything in Judaism is related to that somehow. So the Zohar Kodesh tells us that the letters Yud, Hey, Vav, Hey, the Vav represents the Torah. We know that when Hashem gave the Luchais to Moshe Rabbeinu to bring, to bring down to Klal Yisrael, the Gemara tells us the Luchais were six by six, six Tvachim by six Tvachim. And this is one of the reasons why the Torah is associated with this letter of Vav, of Yud, Kei, Vav, Kei. We know, for example, we say that the four letters of Yudke Vavke correspond to the four legs of the throne of Hashem, on which you have Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, and Dovid Amelech. Now we know that Avraham is Chesed, Yitzchak is Gevura, Yaakov is called Tiferes, Yaakov is called Emes, Titain Emes Leyaakov. And Emes is the Torah. The Torah is called Emes. There are many psukim where it says Emes is the Torah. So Emes, which is the Torah, is the letter of Vav of Hashem's name, Yudke Vavke. Whereas Bina, Bina, which is above Emes, above Tiferes, Bina is that first He of Yudke Vavke. The Yud is Chachma. 
the hay is Bina. So Bina comes before the Torah. It's above the Torah. Now, we've mentioned in the past that the two letters of Yud, the two Hays of Yud Kevavke represent the two Shekhinahs, the upper Shekhinah and the lower Shekhinah. The letter Hay at the end of a word usually is feminine, shows that the world is the word is feminine. So there are two females. There's Leah and Rachel. And the, the Zohar Kodesh tells us that Rachel was buried out in the open. Rachel is Be'izgalia. Rachel is the lower Shechina, which is called the Malchus. Rachel was buried on the, at the crossroads of, Be, of Ephrat and Beislachim. She's called Be'izgalia, revealed. That's the lower level Shechina, which is more revealed. Whereas Leah is buried inside, inside the Ma'ora Samach together with Yaakov Avinu. And Leah, that upper Shechina, that first hay of Yud Kevavke, which we said is Bina, is called Be'iskasia, hidden, more hidden. This is what Rav Nassim is referring to over here, when he says that Tshuva is Yom Kippur, which is Bina, because we know that on Yom Kippur, Bina is also called Olam Haba, this world, the world that we, the physical world, is corresponds to the seven days of creation, corresponds to the seven lower midos of Hashem, Chesed, Gevura, Teferes, and so on and so forth. These seven days of the week correspond to these seven lower midos. The first three midos, Eser, Chachma, and Bina, which are referred to as a set very often, they represent Olam Haba, that number eight, that eighth day, which represents the eighth sphere, starting from the bottom up, which is Bina, which is called Olam Haba. And that's on Yom Kippur, we are going into Olam Haba mode. We're not eating, we're not, we're not associating husband and wife, are not associating we're acting, we're behaving like malachim, like angels, in an aspect of oilam haba, like a, a future world type of existence, without eating, etc. So this is the terminology that Rav Nosanzal is using here to refer to tshuva, which is, we know that there are 50 gates bina, is referred to as the nun shari bina, the 50 gates of bina, and tshuva, we're told that there are 50 levels of tshuva. Now back inside. Ki tshuva hu b'chinas yom kippur, b'chinas bina, shehu almedes kasya, b'chinas ha-toyra ha-ne'elemes. So therefore tshuva, which precedes the Torah, Tshuva is connected to that hidden Torah that sustained the world before the Torah was given officially, that hidden Torah that's found in those 10 statements of creation. Because if we say that the world exists on Torah, then once a person violated Torah, went against the Torah, how does Tshuva help? How can a person correct that? 
אך עוז מוכרח לאוויס על ידי התשובה ולהסתכן על ידי בחינת החסד חינמנם. However, therefore we must realize that when a person gets, when a person violates the Torah or unplugs from the Torah, then the person must, through tshuva, through the process of tshuva, the person has to rise up and get their tikkun through that chesed chinam, that freebie kindness. Shehu b'chinas ha-Torah ha-ne'elemes, sh'tarim ha-kainas ha-oilam, afilu balikim ha-Torah. That's related to that hidden Torah which sustained the world without the Torah being fulfilled. And by the Jew rising up and connecting to that backup generator, to that chesed chinam, that's what enables the person to get their tikkun, and to return to Hashem. Question in the chat. Can we explain more why Bina represents Tshuva and Olam Haba? We said, I, I mentioned how Tshuva is related to Olam Haba because I, 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 how Tshuva is related to Bina. We said that, that, that the, 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 the standard existence of the world, which is related to Torah, is connected to the Vav of Hashem's name, Yudke Vavke. That's the Torah. That's called Emes. That's, yeah, that's the concept of Emes. When a person violates that, when a person disconnects from that, then, then, then how are they able to exist? The answer is there's a backup generator called Bina, called this Chesed Chinam, which is above this world, which preceded the creation of the world. The Gemara says Tshuva preceded the creation of the world, and this Bina, this, this level of Bina is above the create above the standard creation, above the Torah. Now we see when the Torah speaks about tshuva, it uses the term bina. There's a pasuk, hashmein lev hamazeh, prepare the hearts of the Jewish people so that penyira be'enov, uba'oznav yishma, ulevava yovin v'shavarafalot. Because if their eyes will see and their ears will hear and their hearts will understand, they will do tshuva and they will be cured. Ulevava yovin, their hearts will understand. Vishav, they will do tshuva rafaloi. That's one of the places, there are several places where the Torah puts bina and tshuva together. And, and the question, why on Yom Kippur are we acting as if we're out of this world, for Hashem to forgive us? Because tshuva means I violated the Torah. I went against the Torah. So I, I broke my connection to the Vav, to the Vav. So now how do, I, how do I exist? I must draw on something else. I must draw on another source of life, I, which is this backup generator, which is this Chesed Chinon, which preceded the world, which preceded the Torah and preceded the world. Just like Lahavdil, when a person can't breathe, a person is having difficulty in breathing, the lungs aren't working properly, what do they do? They put the person on oxygen. 
so that even though my lungs are not working, my lungs, which are my breathing apparatus, that's my life. My life is not operating. It's not functioning. I'm dead. However, there is this possibility of plugging me into another source of oxygen, which can sustain me until my body gets cured and healed and is able to continue to exist without that backup generator. Rabbi? Yes. It, it seems, uh, from what I, just to, from how I understand it practically, at the end, that the, the source of the koach of being able to do tshuva is recognizing that a Kiddush Baruch doesn't owe me anything. That it's, it's all just the chesed of Hashem of the, of the world that, that, uh, that, I, that I exist. And that's really the koach that I need to tap into in order to do tshuva. Is that right? Hashem likes mishpat. Hashem likes justice. He likes fairness. Mishpat is the Torah. There's a posit mishpatei Hashem emes. The mishpat of Hashem is emes. And Hashem loves mishpat. And, and he, he, he plays by the rules of mishpat. But he has an alternative source called tzedakah. That when mishpat doesn't work, when according to Mishpat, I am dead. If we want to play by law, by justice, I deserve to be dead because the Torah is called life. It's Haimi. And I'm going against the Torah, or I am disconnected from the Torah, I'm dead. But Hashem has this backup generator, this chesed chinam, this tzedakah, this tzedakah fund. person doesn't have money. They they don't have food. They cannot exist. They don't have a job. They don't have, by the normal standards of fairness and justice, they have no existence. There's tzedakah. There's chesed chinam. There's tshuva. I see a question related in the chat related to the Gamma Bris. Just a moment. Just a moment. We're going to come to that. Rav Nosanzal is going to address that in a few paragraphs from now. Shuva related to the Gamma Bris, where the Zohar Kodesh says that Shuva doesn't help. And yet we know Rabbein Zal and several other tzaddikim wrote that it does help. What's going on here? Are they in disagreement? Rabbein Zal is going to show that they're not in disagreement. Okay. Back inside. Paragraph Gimel. And this will precisely explain why Eretz Yisrael had to first be inhabited by these non-Jewish nations and only afterwards be given to us. 
because all of these concepts that we're mentioning here are all really one. The Eretz Yisrael, the Hatorah, because the land of Eretz Yisrael and the Torah are really one. The Iker Kiyum Hatorah who Yisrael, because the true location in, for fulfilling the Torah is Eretz Yisrael. As it says clearly in a Pasuk in Tehillim, Hashem gave them, the Jewish people, this land, which was inhabited first by these other nations, in order that the Jewish people will observe the Torah. So we see that Eretz Yisrael and the Torah go together. And as we find in several places throughout the Torah where it puts these two together, for example, towards the end of Chomish Dvarim, it says, You will observe this covenant, this Torah, in the land which you will inherit. There are many other psukim that, that say this. And in that case, if Hashem would have given the land of Eretz Yisrael to the Jewish people immediately upon creation, all the way in the beginning, and Eretz Yisrael would not have been in the possession of these non-Jews first, and therefore, by the Jewish people inhabiting Eretz Yisrael immediately, the holiness of Eretz Yisrael would be revealed immediately. If that were the case, then the moment the Jews would begin to sin, the land of Eretz Yisrael would spit us out, and the holiness of Eretz Yisrael would go into hiding, and it would ne- never again be able to be revealed. That holiness of Eretz Yisrael would go into hiding and finish. This is why it was necessary, it was critical to have the husk, the peel, precede the fruit. That the land of Eretz Yisrael should be in the possession of these non-Jewish nations who have no obvious connection to the Torah whatsoever and who commit all kinds of abominations. And this is a very important statement that Rav Nosson is making here because there are people that don't know this and there are people that don't accept this. Rav Nosson says that even when Eretz Yisrael was in the possession of those seven nations, Eretz Yisrael still possessed its holiness, its, its full holiness, the same way it does now. 
when the, after those seven nations have been cleared out completely, because the holiness of Eretz Yisrael is something that is established permanently. It never leaves. It never shuts down. Eretz Yisrael is compared to Shabbos. Just like Shabbos is the holiest day of the week, the holiest time, Eretz Yisrael is the holiest place. In fact, we've mentioned many times that in the Torah, Eretz Yisrael is defined as Eretz Zovas Cholavudvash, a land that flows with milk and honey. The last letters of Zovas, of, of Zovas Cholavudvash, spell the word Shabbos. And just like Shabbos is called Kviya Vekaima, Shabbos is something that was established from when Hashem first created the world. It never changes. It's not like the holidays, which are dependent on the moon. There is a moon, there's no moon. Rosh Chodesh is today, Rosh Chodesh is tomorrow. But Sayyantif is sort of like a moving target to a degree. Whereas Shabbos is clear the time, it's fixed. The holiness of Shabbos is fixed. The holiness of Eretz Yisrael is fixed. Fixed meaning locked in. It's just that while before the Jews came into Eretz Yisrael, while Eretz Yisrael was in the possession of those seven nations, the holiness of Eretz Yisrael was very hidden. And no one knew about the holiness of Eretz Yisrael until Avram Avinu came along and the Zohar Kodesh says, Avram Avinu weighed everything on the scale. He tried to figure out how the world came into existence. And by process of elimination, first he thought the sun was responsible for everything. But then he saw that at nighttime, the sun disappeared. So it can't be the sun. Then he thought it was the moon. Then he thought it was this. Then he was thought of that until Avram Avinu came to the realization that he doesn't see who created the whole world. And he reached out and he pleaded, creator, whoever you are, wherever you are, reveal yourself to me so that I can realize what, what the purpose of all of this is. And then Hashem revealed himself to Avram Avinu. Now listen to this, why Avram Avinu was the best candidate to begin revealing the holiness of Eretz Yisrael. Ki Avraham Because Avraham Avinu was a man of chesed. He opened his house free. Come and eat for free. No mishpat, no, 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 you don't have to pay. Umidasoy chesed. And the meat of Avraham Avinu is chesed. Therefore, Avram Avinu was capable of realizing that hidden holiness of Eretz Yisrael, which we learn is related to that freebie kindness, the hidden Torah, which is what sustained the world before the Torah was given. That kindness was hidden in Eretz Yisrael. 
because Eretz Yisroel and the Torah are one. Just like the Zohar Kodesh makes the famous statement, Hashem, the Torah, and the Jewish people are one. Hashem, the Torah, the Jewish people, and Eretz Yisroel are all one. A question, what practical difference does it make whether the holiness of Eretz Yisroel is hidden or not? The answer is whether we can see it or, or realize it or not. When, the, when there were no Jews in Eretz Yisrael, then Eretz Yisrael looked like, as, as if it was functioning like any other country, like it wasn't different from any other country. And therefore, the Hashgach of Hashem on Eretz Yisrael is just like in any other country. Whereas when the Jews come into Eretz Yisrael and they start observing mitzvahs, they start observing Shabbos, they start observing Shemitah, then suddenly people get to see that Eretz Yisrael is different than other countries. Eretz Yisrael, even if the fields are left fallow for an entire year, even if people don't work their fields for the entire year, Eretz Yisrael can exist. Just like if a person doesn't work on Shabbos, if on Shabbos a person takes their wallet out of their pocket, they don't go to work, they don't, they're able to exist even more beautifully than during the six days of the week. Any other questions, please? The Alkane, Daiko, Alide, Hachesed, Hazer, Koyochen, the Koyshun, Eretz Yisrael, Minhuatim Karam. And therefore, it's specifically based on this kindness of Hashem. That's what gives us, the Jewish people, the ability to go ahead and conquer Eretz Yisrael take it away from those non-Jews. As Rabbi Nezal explains over there in chapter 78 in the second half. As it says in that first passage, in the beginning, Hashem created heaven and earth. And Rashi quotes the Medrash that says, Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak said, the Torah really should have begun from the first mitzvah that Hashem gave the Jewish people officially as a nation, which is the mitzvah of Kiddush HaChodesh, which Hashem gave us in Parshas Boy upon leaving Egypt. Ella, so why, why does Hashem give us this whole big introduction? Ella so that if the Goyim will come along and say, you're a bunch of thieves, you took away our land, we can respond to them by saying, Hashem created the world. With his will, he chose to give it to them, to these non-Jews, for so many years. And with the will of Hashem, he took it away from those nations and gave it to us, gave Eretz Yisrael to us. Nimza, we conclude, therefore, that through our realization that Hashem created the world, how did he create the world? With 10 statements of creation, 
which are not the revealed Torah, in those 10 statements of creation is hidden the entire Torah, the Ten Commandments, which have 620 letters in them. So the Ten Commandments represent the entire Torah. Those Ten Statements of Creation represent the hidden Torah, which corresponds to that freebie kindness. That's what gives us the right to conquer Eretz Yisrael, to take it away from those nations and to, to, to take over the land of Eretz Yisrael. And that's why the land of Eretz Yisrael had to first be in the hands of these other nations and only afterwards be given to us. Because had Eretz Yisrael begun with the Jewish people inhabiting it, then when the Jews would sin, and we would be evicted from Eretz Yisrael, and the land of Eretz Yisrael would be given away to our enemies, to the Goyim, we would not be able to take Eretz Yisrael back from them. Why? because they would tell us, listen, you're a bunch of thieves. Since Eretz Yisrael was already given away to these goyim because of our sins. But now by Hashem creating the world the way he did, <coughs> Hashem revealed his the Torah and the Torah began with the words voracious. This was in order to reveal and broadcast this fact that even when the Torah, even when Eretz Yisrael was originally in the possession of these seven nations, it was only because Hashem wanted it to be that way. Because Hashem created the world, and with His will, He chose to give it to them. Nothing to do with rules and justice and Torah. And since Hashem, with His will, gave the land of Eretz Yisrael to them, then we see that even when the Torah was in the hands of these other nations, the will of Hashem was there. The will of Hashem was was present. Which is this hidden Torah, this freebie kindness, because the Torah is the book that defines the will of Hashem. And there's the revealed Torah and there's the hidden Torah. Because again, we're saying Hashem with his will gave the land to them. The term his will, 
one aspect of the will of Hashem, the will of Hashem is justice and fairness, and the will of Hashem is kindness, this freebie kindness, this hidden Torah. And since we're being shown here that even when Eretz Yisrael was in the possession of these non-Jews and the Torah was not revealed there, the Torah was not being observed in any revealed manner, still the will of Hashem was there, which means the Torah was present there, just it was very hidden. How can therefore bevadai onu yecholim lichvay sha'aretz miyodam? Therefore, this makes it possible for us definitely to be able to conquer Eretz Yisrael and take it out of the possession of these nations. Ki beretzoinai nesano lahem, u beretzoinai not lamehem nesano lano. Because with the will of Hashem, He chose to give it to them, and with the will of Hashem, He chose to to command us to take it away from them and that it should be in our possession. Because even while the land of Eretz Yisrael was in the possession of the Goyim, the holiness was there. It was just hidden, very hidden. It was very hidden. The Achshav, and now when we come into Eretz Yisrael, it's not that we are bringing holiness into Eretz Yisrael, we are revealing, we're removing the covering, we're revealing the holiness of Eretz Yisrael. We're taking that holiness out of the state of hiddenness, total hiddenness, into revelation. Rav Nosenzal says, understand this very well. This is a very important concept. It's a deep concept a little bit and very important. <coughs> it's already five after nine. I'm hesitant a little to, to maybe we'll just try since we're only learning twice a week. Give me another three, four minutes to finish the paragraph, to finish the thought because this is going to complete the topic of Eretz Yisrael, and then Rav Nassim is going to go into the topic of Bris Mila. And therefore, even when the Jews inhabited Eretz Yisrael for many years, and then we committed sins, the and we were chased out of Eretz Yisrael, we were exiled from Eretz Yisrael because of our sins, and the land was once again given away to our enemies, to the Goyim. Despite that, Eretz Yisrael still retained its holiness. Because the holiness, even though the Jews are not there and the Torah is not being observed in a revealed way, but the, the holiness is hidden there. <laughs> like that hidden Torah, that freebie kindness, which was hidden in Eretz Yisrael, originally, when Eretz Yisrael was in the hands of those seven nations before us. And this is what gives us the hope 
to return to our holy land. Because we know and we realize that even now, when Eretz Yisrael is not fully in the hands of the Jewish people, the religious people, the Torah people, still the Torah, the Eretz Yisrael belongs to us. Just that it's very hidden. And not only do we have the ability to restore the holiness to Eretz Yisrael, even while we are outside of Eretz Yisrael, wherever we, the Jews, enter into a country and we set up shop there, we build shuls and yeshivas and mikvahs, we have the ability to conquer that place and to sanctify it to give it some of the holiness of Eretz Yisrael. Because we know and we believe that the entire world belongs to Hashem. And when Hashem wanted to, He gave a country or any part of the world to them, to the other nations. And even now, when the, when Eretz Yisrael or any country is in the hands of the Goyim, still the will of Hashem is hidden there. And it's through this faith that we believe that Hashem created the world with these ten statements. And it's with the will of Hashem that He gave part of the world to these other nations. This is what gives us the ability to easily take the land out of their possession, from the possession of the non-Jews, the Yisrael, and to sanctify it with the holiness of the Jewish nation, to give it some of the holiness of Eretz Yisrael. Because with the will of Hashem, he gave the land to them, and with the will of Hashem, He took it away from them and gave it to us. Because even previously, even while it was in their hands, in their possession, it was still ours in, in a hidden form, in a hidden way. And now all that we're doing is removing the covering. We're taking that holiness out of its state of hiddenness and revealing it. As Ravenazal explains very clearly over there in chapter 78 in the Kutimran, regarding this, that even nowadays, wherever the Jewish people come, we have the ability to sanctify that location, to give it some of the flavor, some of the holiness of Eretz Yisroel, 
through the, what we explained in this paragraph. And what Rabbi Nezal explains over there in chapter 78, Ayin Shon. Take a look, look over there and we click on Ran to understand this more clearly. Any questions, please? Wishing everybody a wonderful Shabbos. Again, I'm in Chutz Loritz now, I'm in America. So the Shia of Alikut Elochas is not on a daily basis. We're doing it on Thursday morning, Eretz Yisrael time. And the next Shia will be in Yitzhak on Monday morning. The next Likut Elochas Shia will be on Monday morning, Eretz Yisrael time. In Yitzhak I hope we will have the Sunday Chayim Aran Shia at 4.30 Israel time, 9.30 a.m. American time. Yitzhak